by the presentation of evolution, as we all know. And around the world, evolution is the general belief in regard to the origin of our planet, etc. It commenced last century. What date? Do you recall the main date in connection with the rise of evolution? 1844. That's right. That was when Darwin's book was published, remember? The Origin of Species. Yes. And today, the vast majority of the world's population are infected with the virus of evolution. And evolution and creation are in complete opposition. They cannot be... be what's the word? Harmonised. There is no harmony. There are some Christians who have tried to harmonise the two, but it is a complete failure. The primary record of creation is found in Genesis chapter 1. Do you know what? I've come without my Bible. Yeah. Where is it? I've got one exactly like his. Oh, yeah, that'll do. Peg's got the same type of Bible that I have. So. It's our travelling Bible. <laughs> Thanks. Genesis chapter 1. And what does it say? It's majestic is the commencement of Genesis. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. How majestic. And you know whenever I read this I'm reminded of the men landing on the moon. And when they encircled the moon, remember the first time, the American astronauts, what did they do? To commemorate that great occasion they read a passage of scripture. What was it? Genesis 1. Genesis 1. And down across the ether came the words of that astronaut as he read the words of this chapter. I thought that was tremendous. It was too. And here, here in this chapter of Genesis 1 are laid down specific principles in regard to the origin of the world. And the first one perhaps we should uh, brought to bring to view is this, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning he created. This tells us that there must be a beginning and we have to have a beginning. There has to be a beginning as far as the human race is concerned. And that beginning goes back to God. And this tells us that life is not spontaneous. Life cannot be produced in a test tube. God created it all. It came from him. The second point is that, or rather, that, that's the first point, that he is the source of life, is the creator. That's ABC to us, isn't it? But this is a little review. The second thing is that nature itself is not God. What is the word that describes the belief that nature is God? Pantheism, that's right. Is pantheism abroad in our world? It surely is. It's all through the false religions of the East. Hinduism is pantheistic and many others. And uh, this shows us pantheism is falsehood. For God created the heaven and the earth and all that in them is you see, this cancels out the nature, the worship of nature. In paganism, they have their sacred mountains, their sacred rivers, their sacred trees, their sacred animals, 
they're sacred men, but it's all falsehood, all falsehood. The third thing is that creation was instantaneous. It wasn't a process. Instantaneous. And Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed or built or builded by the word of God. They are built by the word of God. And then we find the scripture tells us how God built them how God created or framed the word, the world. Psalm 33, 6 and 9, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Now how did he do it? By the breath of his mouth. For he spake, and it was. He commanded, and it stood fast. Instantaneous creation, not a process as evolution would have it. Nine times in Genesis 1, the Creator commanded, let there be, and there was. Instantaneous creation. Uh, the fourth point is that the world was created from non-existent matter or material. The Hebrew word for create is bara, which means to form from no thing. We often say to form from nothing. It's not really that. It's to form from something invisible. Invisible. And Hebrews 11 verse 3 is a scientific statement that's been in the Bible for 2,000 years. And we never knew it until the science of nuclear fission came. But what does it say? Hebrews 11 3. The worlds were framed or built by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now that's a remarkable scientific statement that's now been proved to the hilt. All substance is made of something invisible. And what is it? What's the invisible thing from which material things are made? Come on. Energy. Energy. And energy is invisible. And when God spoke, when energy came out of his mouth, he converted it into material. That's creation. Nuclear fission is the opposite of creation. It takes the material and converts it back to energy. You see? And that scientific statement was, has been there for 2,000 years and we didn't know it. Moffat's translation says that things uh, which... The, the visible was made out of the invisible. The NEB says the visible came forth from the invisible. The Amplified Version says what we see was not made out of things which are visible, made out of energy. So that's the fourth point. Uh, the the uh, fifth point, creation, when it was first formed, or brought forth, was mature. It was complete and perfect. That's the fifth point. Genesis 1.31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was half made. Yeah, it was very good. Very good. What was the quote on the... Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews 11.3. Oh, 11.3, yeah. Yeah. 
This last one, God saw that everything he had made, behold, it was very good. It was complete. It was perfect, you see. Creation was complete. And Hebrews 4, 3 says, The works were finished from the foundation of the world. God finished them. They were completed works, you see. There was no evolutionary process. None. The mountains, the rocks, the seas, the vegetation, the animal, bird, sea, insect and human life was all perfect and complete. Perfect and complete. We could go on from this, but we won't. There's a lot of things. When Adam was made, how, how high was he? He was a 12-footer, a perfect man, a perfect specimen. And if the scientists of our day had examined him, they probably would have said, oh, this man's been... Uh, uh, <laughs> he's been in the world a long time. <laughs> and yet how old was he when God created him? About ten seconds. <laughs> yes. It was complete, perfect and complete. Now the next thing is that creation was over a period of six 24-hour days. Exodus 20, verse 11. In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, etc. In six days. And the seventh day, the Sabbath, as we know, was set up by the Creator as the memorial of God's work of creation. And so verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And that's ABC, the Seventh-day Adventist. But it's a shame that so many other Christians don't recognize it. You know, the creation science people, they're a very Christian group and they're doing a marvelous work, you know, out in the world in regard to creation. But they can't see the significance of the Sabbath. I hope one day they will, because they ought to. At any rate, serious attempts have been made, as you know, to nullify this biblical truth of the Sabbath. And uh, efforts have been made to compromise it with the evolutionary theory. And they claim that the days here are long epochs of time. And there are many Christians involved in this, this uh, nonsense. Well, that's what it is. But it's an attempt, you see, not to appear um, ignorant and uh, ridiculous in the eyes of the scientific world. For they class anybody who believes in Genesis 1 that they're, you know, on the verge of insanity. They can hardly believe that there are people in the world today who believe it. Is that right? It's true. And yet, you know, there are thousands of scientists who are creationists. More than we realise. So many of them are afraid to let their creation belief be known because of the ridicule. And even some of our own men, you know, wonderful creationists, have been, have been, uh, what's the word? Um, have become very unpopular in our own ranks. Because we are tending toward evolution, theistic evolution. Avondale College teaches theistic evolution, that God started it, then the evolutionary process took over. It's astonishing. 
I know young people have gone to Avondale, creationists, and come out evolutionists. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so let's look at this. And so I want to present to you ten reasons why the days of creation must have been 24-hour days. The first reason, plant life demands a 24-hour cycle of light and darkness. Without this, vegetation would perish. A 24-hour cycle of light and darkness. Now, if the days were long periods of time of light and a long period of darkness, the vegetable and the animal life would perish would perish. The second reason is that plant life is dependent upon pollination by insects. Is it? It surely is. In, in order for it to be reproduced. But insects were created on what day? The sixth day. The plant life on the third day. Now if these days were long periods of time, the plant life would have died out because there would have been no insects to uh, bring about reproduction. The third reason why these days must have been 24-hour days was that vegetation requires sunlight. Sunlight. But sunlight was not present until what day? The fourth day of creation week, you see? And if the vegetation created on the third day and that it was a long period of time, it would have been without sunlight and it would have perished. So therefore, the day must, days must have been 24-hour days, you see. The fourth reason, the rotation on, of the earth on its axis takes place how long? 24 hours, that's right, 24 hours. And this is vital for the control and maintaining of the temperature of our planet. Absolutely vital. And um, it rotates once every 24 hours. Now, if these days were longer periods of time, there would be disaster. What kind of disaster? If the Earth's rotation was decreased by one-tenth, or two one-tenth of its present speed, the length of daylight and darkness would increase tenfold. And what would happen? The sun would burn up all vegetation by day, and at night all vegetation would be destroyed by extreme cold. Life on this planet demands a 24-hour cycle. It must be. Right, the fifth reason. The recorded age of Adam indicates that the days must have been 24-hour days. For remember, Adam was formed on day three, wasn't it? Day six. Day six, yeah. On the sixth day, on Friday, Adam was created. If the days were long periods of time, then Adam, at death, would have been thousands of years of age. But how old was he? We're told at the birth of his, of his third son he was 120. 100 and, yeah. and then when he finally died, it says he was, just, he was only 130 years old. <laughs> Not thousands of years old. So those days must have been 24-hour days, you see. The sixth reason is that the wording of the fourth commandment indicates they were 24-hour days. 
Now notice how the commandment reads. In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Now how do we know those days were 24-hour days? How long was the seventh day? Six days shalt thou labour and do all thy rest, but all thy labour, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. How long is the Sabbath? 24-hour day. 24 hours. You see? 24 hours. And the same word for day, the days of the week and the fourth commandment is the same word for the six days of creation. The same word. You cannot get round it. Those days were ordinary 24-hour days. The seventh point, if in Scripture, if a number is affixed to the word day, it always means a 24-hour day. And this is the verdict of Hebrew scholars. It always means that. Now, the term day in the Bible, as you know, has several applications. There is the day of salvation. How long is that? Nearly 6,000 years. There's the day of the Lord. How long is that? About 1,000 years. There's the day of judgment. But if a number is associated with that word day, it always means, according to Hebrew scholars, a 24-hour day. Let me ask you, are there any numbers associated with the days of Genesis 1? Yes. Day 1, day 2, day 3, as you know, the evening and the morning is day 1. And so right down through, there's a number associated every time with the word day. So that means that the days of creation, according to Hebrew scholars, must have been 24-hour days. The eighth point is that the length of the day is determined by the sun. As you know, the sun pulls the earth around on its axis. And science declares that the speed of the earth on its axis has never varied by even a thousandth of a second over the last 1,000 years. That's something, isn't it? Astonishing. It's never varied by one thousandth of a second. Talk about precision. I tell you, marvellous. Now, the earth and the sun were set in position on day four of creation. That's where they were appointed, is the, is the Hebrew. They were put in their appointed places. And the positioning of the planets and the sun and the moon is vitally important. Remarkable. Because if they were a little bit different from what they are, breath and things wouldn't just operate as they should. A divine hand is in the be behind the placing of those heavenly bodies, and uh, and seeing that there has been no variation in the speed of the Earth on its axis, we can rightfully conclude that the first day that God set the Earth in motion would be the same as all the rest of the days because the, the earth never varies in its speed on its axis. And therefore, we can conclude rightly that those days of creation were 24-hour days. The ninth reason, reputable Hebrew dictionaries confirm 
the fact that the Hebrew word yom, Y-O-M, that's the Hebrew word for day in Scripture, in the Old Testament, uh, does not allow it to be a long period of time in Genesis 1. Hebrew dictionaries. These are reputable Hebrew dictionaries. The dictionaries of Buell, Brown, Driver and Koenig. Now these are recognized top Hebrew dictionaries. Top Hebrew scholars. They do not uphold Yom in, Hebrew, in Genesis 1 to represent a long period. They do not. Simpson, another authority, says the day in Genesis 1 is not a long geological period. And these men were not Seventh-day Adventists. Some of them weren't even Christians. This is the Hebrew language, you see. Marcus Dodds, another uh, uh, well-known Hebrew scholar, he says, if the word day in these chapters does not mean a period of 24 hours, the interpretation of Scripture is hopeless. That's a statement, isn't it? Hopeless, and it is. It makes a mess of Genesis 1, you see. So these are Hebrew, reputable Hebrew dictionaries. Now, Genesis 1 indicates that there was a short period for the creative actions. In Genesis 1.11, the original goes like this, according to Hebrew scholars. Earth sprouts sprouts. That's what the scholars say that should read, really, in the Hebrew. When the bringing forth of grass, earth sprouts sprouts, meaning quick action, instantaneous action. See that? And verse 12 records the response of God's command. And it says, the earth caused the plants to go out, go out of the earth and spring up. There's no hint of a prolonged period of time, but always of instantaneous action. And so the attempt to harmonize Genesis 1 and evolution as has, has been made by many, many Christians of latter years is a dismal failure. A dismal failure. Evolutionary geology does not teach the evolution of the earth in six geological periods corresponding with the six days of creation. It does not hold to that. The order of Genesis 1 in the geological scale does not conform to the evolutionary scheme. It does not. And anyone who tries to make out that it does, brethren, it's not really an honest, uh, uh, an honest um, declaration at all. And uh, some time ago, 1957... Um, Arthur C. Custance, a scholar in the United States, uh, in connection with this uh, subject, wrote to nine Hebrew scholars who were members of the nine leading universities of the world. Three in the United States, three in Canada, and three in England. He wrote to these nine Hebrew scholars... And what did he write to them about? He put to them a question. And this was the question. Do you consider the Hebrew word yom, as used in Genesis 1, accompanied by a numeral, to be properly translated, A, a day, as commonly understood, 24-hour day, or an age, or an age or a day without preference for either? Seven of the nine Hebrew scholars, and they were the top scholars of the world, answered 
seven answered out of the nine, and all seven replied that Yom, or day in Genesis 1, means a day as commonly understood, a 24-hour day. See that? Now, I've heard some science men who are, you know, who tamper with theology <laughs> try and make out that the Hebrew uh, indicates that these days were long periods of time. Brethren, that's nonsense. It's nonsense. And I'm afraid some amongst our own scientific men are making remarks like that, and they ought to know better. They ought to do their homework. They really should. Now, the, the tenth reason, this is the, this is the most powerful evidence of all concerning that the days being 24-hour days. Throughout nature, there are time clocks set to periods of 12 or 24 hours. And where are these time clocks? They're in vegetable life. They're in animal life. You have time clocks in your body, right? How do we know? This first came to light with jet travel, you know, uh, ultrasonic travel. And passengers became extremely tired and it took them many days to get over it. And this led them to investigate and they found that man has time clocks set within him, put there by the creator. And these time clocks are everywhere. They're rhythmic cycles, biological rhythms, they're also called. And uh, they're found in man, they're found in animals, in birds, in fish, in insects and plants. I bought a book on this question some time back called The Living Clocks by Richie R. Ward. And I tell you, it's a fantastic book. It's a scientific book telling about the discoveries in regard to the time clocks in, in, the, in the natural world, you see. And they have discovered that in man there are over 100 internal rhythms. Over 100 rhythms. See that? And most of these are in cycles of 24 hours. 24 hours. Man's body, they have found, runs on a 24-hour cycle. He's keyed to a natural succession of day and night, 12-hour rhythms. And we know that, don't we? Those of us who work on, have worked on shift work know that's true. Our body is keyed to a rhythmic cycle. In plant life, there are 12-hour cycles. Plant life. In one-celled marine life, the common right down, you know, the little one-celled marine life, that simple marine life, even there, there's a rhythm of 12 hours. And that tells us, that takes us back to Genesis. Genesis, creation. In the, amongst the birds, they possess internal time clocks and they also have sun compasses. Sun compasses. And this explains how the birds, you know, can migrate and don't get lost. The bees also have, have sun compasses. Isn't, isn't it remarkable? Oh, I tell you, it's remarkable. Living beings possess a chemical clock a pacemaker. Flying squirrels have a 24-hour internal clock. 
Honeybees possessed time clocks geared to 24-hour rhythms. And they found that even cockroaches, they possessed time clocks of 24-hour cycles. And uh, it tells in, that, in this book how you know, a group of be- meeting, a big meeting of scientists on, on this question, there was one very brilliant woman scientist, and she uh, told how that she had taken the cockroaches apart and had found the time clock, mind you. And so what she did, by way of experiment, <coughs> what she did, she took the time clock out of another cockroach and put two com- time clocks <laughs> in the one cockroach. What happened? You can just imagine the laughter. She says the cockroach had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah. So, brethren, all this confirms Genesis 1, doesn't it? 24-hour cycle, 12-hour cycle. You see? Confirmation. Of Genesis 1, that all things were created and brought forth in 624-hour days. And it establishes the truth of the fourth commandment. And it gives authority to the first angel's message. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of waters. So there it is. And I hope that that's been instructive and confirms your faith. But your faith didn't need confirming, did it? (laughs) However, there it is. So, um, ten reasons. Let's have a little prayer. Dear Lord, we thank Thee for the evidence that helps us to believe. And we pray that this evidence may spread around the world more and more, that men and women may learn it and may be led to accept thee as their great creator God give us grace we pray thee to so witness that we might be able to reach more and more people concerning the truth of creation we pray in Jesus name Amen